Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinions. Today is June 8th, 2021. This is episode 320. My name is Scott Magnus. This is Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to go around the bases in Orioles baseball. And we'll do it, well, a day late, but hopefully not a dollar short. And we'll do that after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? Uh, this evening, Scotty, I am drinking an 1812 American Pale Ale from the Maryland Beer Company. It's exactly what you would expect. The Maryland Beer Company flag logo right on the front. Uh, the flag, the 1814 flag, uh, the 1812 you know, fireworks. I will say this is meh. Just meh? Just meh. Okay. Well, I mean, um, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do, and uh, you're going to pound that down just like you would a good old Michelob Ultra or... A Bud Light Lime or something else like that. Or another American Pale Ale. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just going straight old G&T tonight. Um, nothing fancy. Just sticking to a traditional classic. Uh, if you want to know what we're drinking on Untapped um, or on a weekly basis, check us out on Untapped. I'm at MEGN8606. I'm at Jake E 4025 And with that, we unfortunately have to head over to the medical wing. All right, it's a it's a different feeling than our standard medical wing. I I feel a sense of foreboding, Scott. It's it's dreary. It's depressing. It's like a pothole. I, I, don't, I don't like what they've done here in the medical wing. I mean, the the curtains are all dark, and I don't know. It's just a place of sadness. What's happened? Well, Jake, uh, I think as everyone knows, John Means was injured. What? John Means. Injured on Saturday. Our John Means? Our John Means. No hitter John Means. Mustache John Means. <gasps> no. Yeah, came out after two-thirds of an inning uh, complaining about, you know, arm slash shoulder pain. Um, so he hit the IL. Scott, an injury to John Means. Our season's over. Well, Jake, our season was over already. No, this is it. This is the last straw. I've been an Orioles fan since night. Oh, wait. No, I think no. I'm doing this wrong. Yeah. Okay. So John Means was hurt. I, I prefer to think that John Means wanted some time off. Okay. So he's hurt. Um, the team said that there was no structural damage uh, in the shoulder. He's going to be shut down for seven to ten days. <sighs> I don't think so. I think I think you know best case best case scenario he's shut down for seven to ten days, rehab starts, he's going to be out for a while. I think he's going to be out for you know end that ballpark of at least two weeks, probably closer to three weeks. Don't think it'll quite be a month, but I do think they're going to ease him back in um, and make sure that there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. And, and they have zero to lose, right? Zero to lose, except more ball games that they already were going to lose anyway. Right, exactly. So. 
Um, yeah, I think the Orioles, you know, made the right decision to pull him and, and basically be overly cautious. Um, you know, no structural damage, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, why take the risk? I, I do think that there was structural damage to the hearts of Birdland. I, in, until we hear PRP injection, I'm not going to get upset whatsoever. Why would you say that? What's wrong with you? Hi, Baltimore Orioles fan. Nice <laughs> to meet you. The last left-handed starter that I could think of that got the PMP injection was Zach Britton, back when he had an H in his name. Yeah. Look what happened to him. He had to lose an H. (laughs) And he still played baseball. That worked out great. Hey, he lost an H, but he picked up a K. He he did. And, you know, it worked out even better because he got to, you know, learn about the Toronto bullpen really well. And he got to play for the New York Yankees. (laughs) What's not the love? Absolutely. Brian Roberts would agree. Um, You know, in other news, too, Austin Hayes is, you know, coming back from, um, you know, that hamstring injury that was kind of, you know, tweaking him a little bit. Uh, Started his, um, you know, rehabilitation um starts in triple a starting this evening so i would assume that he's gonna be back sooner rather than later um but yeah i think the the big question as you mentioned was what's going to happen with john means um and it'd also be very interesting to see what are the orioles going to do as it relates to the starting rotation um that was already gobbledygook well they got Uh, so many good arms to choose from scotty they have so many places to turn to uh, you know, people that haven't let them down were just awash with major league ready options. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it ultimately doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things uh, right now at the major league level. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to have to um, be very creative. Um, and I know there's been a few folks that have indicated that they don't like the shuffling of some of the young arms back and forth through AAA right now and wanted to give them a shot um, at the major league level. Well, they're going to have a shot probably for the upcoming month, um, maybe up to the All-Star break. Here's what I want to see. Sure. One of the reasons I loathe the change in rules in this area, I want to see an opener of Stevie Wilkerson throwing a crisp 52 miles an hour and then bring real pitchers in after that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. You don't think that's going to mess with the uh, hitter's timing? No, I think that they're just going to be like, hey, we're up nine to nothing. Who really cares at this point? <laughs> Doesn't that happen anyway? That's true. <laughs> All right, anything else that you want to cover in the medical wing? No, it's dreary and sad. Let's leave this terrible place. All right, well, let's go ahead and put the voodoo dolls away, and let's go to 280 characters less this week on the Twitter. Oh, I didn't know we were going to go to the internet. That's not any better a place. It's always better. Let's go read the comments. I will say, however, we're going to start in a great place. Thank you, internet for making me happy. This is a tweet that comes to us from the Baltimore Orioles, at Orioles. They tweet as follows. This is a tweet from June 7th. We now have the top pitching prospect and the top catching prospect in all of baseball, according to at Baseball America rankings, with a picture of none other than Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman. And Scott, it is impossible to read that without a gigantic smile on your face yeah that's very exciting i mean we've talked about grayson rodriguez for quite some time now uh and it's very exciting and i mean you know it's great to see grayson rodriguez at the top there from you know the number one pitching prospect right now as according to baseball america but as i pointed out before i don't think dl hall is that far behind as well um so again you've got two premier pitching prospects and again you can make all the dylan bundy jake arietta jokes um that you want but it's a different organization now. Um, so we're going to we're going to see what happens. Also, those guys didn't start there. 
right? Right. Grayson Rodriguez didn't start as the best pitching prospect. He he pitched his way there. Yeah. And, you know, clearly the team is is being careful with him. He's pitching, you know, five innings at a time and all that kind of good stuff. But he is dominating. Oh, yeah. He's, he's so. filthy. I think he's pitching tonight. Um, once again, um, zero runs. I think two hits over five innings. Um, yeah. Like I said, just dominating competition um, in, 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 in double A. So i uh, love to see it. Let's keep it going. Let's keep him healthy. Um, and, you know. It will be interesting to see what the Orioles do if they say we're going to roll with them to start 2022. Um, do they bring them up at some point in 2022? I mean, we've said this before. 2023 is going to be a really special aspect because it's going to tell you whether or not the rebuild is on track. 2022 is going to be a really interesting year because it's going to give you a glimpse of um, – can this team compete in 2023 um, with Grayson Rodriguez, with Adley Rutschman on the team in 2022? It's going to get really interesting. And you know, I think the Orioles have done this smart of you know pairing folks like Grayson Rodriguez and Dia Hall with Adley Rutschman in Bowie right now um, and getting all of them ready. Um, and it's also interesting, you know, coming off of the since we're in, in this week on the Twitter, it's also interesting to see folks like Dia Hall make a de- big deal about Grayson Rodriguez being the number one prospect. And cross posting it um, many a times as well. Um, there's definitely a little bit of cheerleading, but definitely kind of building up that that franchise slash camaraderie basis um, where Bowie is in essence going to be the 2023 Orioles. Um, and based off the way they're playing right now, wow, it's it's going to get exciting really quickly. Yeah. Um, next week goes to uh, Joe Trezza. You can follow him at Joe Trez. You know the A wasn't available. Um, Hunter Harvey back. Uh, and Sharon Armstrong DFA'd among a slew of roster moves today for the Orioles. Yeah, we forgot to talk about Hunter Harvey coming back on the team off the IL. Um, you know, that's great news. Um, but we lost new Mike Wright based off this move. New, new Mike Wright. We we really knew you. In fact, now we've got no Mike Wright. It's kind of sad. I will say, uh, you know, I feel bad for Sean Armstrong. He was meh, okay, and then had a decent 2020 and a shortened season. Uh, you know, you don't know what to make of it. And then clearly he just never really got going here in 21. It'll be interesting to see whether he gets picked up by another club, uh, or whether or not the Orioles can stash him in the minors. I think they'll be able to stash him in the minors. I don't think someone's going to pick him up. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, if he does leave the organization, I think we're going to have to find a new Sean Armstrong to basically call someone in the future. (sighs) I'm going to have an issue with that. Yeah. Because I think if someone's the new Sean Armstrong, it technically makes them the new, new Mike Wright. So new squared? Yeah. NNMW. Can we just call him the pitcher formerly known as Mike Wright? Ooh. Ooh. Two degrees of Mike Wright. Oh, I like it. It's like a 90s band. (laughs) It's like a 90s band. Our next tweet comes to us from District Orioles. They tweet at... District Orioles, this tweet comes to us from June 1st, and I think there's a lot of truth here. They declare, in no uncertain terms, the following. Nobody beats the Baltimore Orioles 17 times in a row. Well, District Orioles, sir, I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. Uh, Next week comes from at WJZ. You can follow them at WJZ. Uh, Orioles mascot is MLB's fifth best according to fan survey. All right. Fifth best. First of all, the Orioles are going to be doing a lot of fifth best this year. Um, But did you happen to look 
at the results of said survey, I have some issues Okay, here. First, I have some issues with the fact that I didn't realize that some of these teams had mascots, mm-hmm. and I'm just not sure what to make of them. First and foremost, the Swinging Friar from the San Diego Padres was listed 26th, which is a crime. It is a absolute crime. Uh, I, I, I cannot stand by this list. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, uh, definitely interesting. I mean, Clark, the cub up there, which, um, every single time I've been to Chicago, everyone seems to hate Clark, the cub as it is. Um, pause for the Detroit Tigers. No clue. Had no idea what that was. No idea. I'm more, I'm more confused about Dinger. The, the Dinger, uh, the dinosaur Colorado Rockies. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. It's Dinger, the dinosaur. Is is that what a Rocky is, a dinosaur? No, 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 no. But you're like, you, apparently you find dinosaurs out in, in Colorado. Not these days, you don't. Or you just smoke the right stuff and you see dinosaurs. <laughs> I think the real crime when it comes to mascots is that um, Screech from the Washington Nationals, uh, who ranked somewhere, I don't know. 15th, it looks like. 15th, again, another crime. Screech is all grown up. And he's like a big, burly mascot now. Whereas before he was the badonkadonk chicken, he had a little bit of, of a pot belly yeah. there. That is the uh, that is the version of that sad franchise, the Nexpo's mascot that I prefer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, some interesting choices, uh, nevertheless. I, I have to say, I do appreciate the fact that the San Francisco Giants have a mascot named Lucille. Lucille. <laughs> That's... That's clever work. I like that. That's the kind of uh, work that Jake English likes to see out there. And uh, and for the name alone, I feel like deserves to be higher on the but list. But yeah, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. But like I said, um, you know, the site that ran the survey, I haven't even heard the site before. Um, I'm just going to put this as an asterisk and just say we're moving on. Scott, this is a very scientific survey about a very important subject. It made this week on the Twitters on the Bird's Eye View podcast. There could be nothing more important than this. Well, there is a poll on that site as well about what is the best hosiery in baseball as well. I, I'm listening. <laughs> and and I, yeah, I will do an in-depth. You will be examining the photos in incognito mode uh, and, and examining them fully and deeply. All right. Next, we've got a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles. This, of course, they tweet at Orioles. The Orioles tweeted as follows uh, about Oh, a few hours ago. June 22nd is Pride Night at the Yard with a image of the LBGTQ Pride Night ticket package, including a sweet set of Orioles rainbow shades. I'm so disappointed that I already have corrective lenses. I wouldn't be able to see out of these things. They look awesome. But a couple weeks ago, we talked about the infusion of politics into sports with the uh, military Appreciation Night. Uh, now, I'm sure that there are uh, some people that are going to be complaining about this. If you want to do yourself a favor, go to your social media network of choice, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, Creamsicle, whatever it is, find this picture and those like it and just immerse yourselves in the comments. It is where humanity at its finest is on display. I cannot wait for Aubrey Huff to, in essence, comment <laughs> and retweet on it. You know, I think this is great that the uh, Orioles are doing this. This is certainly not the first time they've been doing it. This is, you know, multiple years now where they've gone ahead and and done something like this, and it's great to see it during Pride Month. Um, a part of me wants to make sure, though, that it is not just a promotional giveaway, but potentially there is more going about it. And I, I want to, you know, make mention to a former Orioles, since we're an Orioles podcast, 
Um, is that what we do? That is what we do. Hmm. Um, so the San Francisco Giants did a, a really, you know, great um, celebration um, where, you know, they had various members come out. Um, they had Billy Bean come out and basically talk about uh, LGBTQ representation within the game of baseball. Um, but I, I also want to talk about this basis of um, Kevin Gossman, who pitched during that night as well. He had a tweet as follows. Kevin Gosman and Pride Celebration, the anthem before the game, the palm trees out front, really everything. It was pretty cool. Obviously, this is a city that's very inclusive, so it was fun to be part of. I'd never worn a hat like that before, so that was cool. So I, I think you know it's great that the Orioles are taking this step to basically encourage people to come out um, to the park, you know, celebrate, um, get some cool swag with it too. But I also want to see some additional um, actions come out of it. This seems like good virtue signaling, but I want to see further follow-up action um, in terms of social ambassadorship in, uh, in the local community. Sure. If it's something you care about, you can absolutely still do it after the end of June. Yep, absolutely. All righty. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll go around the bases in all things happening in Birdland. And we're back. Scotty, let's do it. Let's go around the bases. Um, I'm going to start at first base to talk about something a little bit bigger than just Baltimore and Birdland. And that is Major League Baseball cracking down, supposedly, on pitchers cheating in the sport. I'm curious. We talked a little bit earlier in the season with Alex Fast about have we reached a golden era of pitching? Have have the athlete, Has the athleticism of these pitchers just gotten to the point where they are outclassing the hitters. And in that conversation, shame on us, we didn't talk about this topic. And so I ask you, how rampant do you think cheating is? And how much do you think that affects the pitching that we see? Um, so I'm going to allow uh, my response to be given in the form of Gary Cole responding today to the question of whether or not he was using spider tech. Spider tech is one of the substances that has recently come out um, as, you know, being known to be used within major league baseball. Um, it's been used by um, weightlifters, but also like strongman competitions to basically, you know, grab those massive, you know, balls. Uh, and, you know, you all know about massive balls right in SD studios. They Picks things up and puts them down. Absolutely. So I'm going to let Gary Cole explain my thoughts and processes on the use of spider tech within Major League Baseball. Uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that. To be honest, um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players, and. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and, uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Um, 
you know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans. Including All right. We're going to let that rambling stop at this point. Um, so here's my opinion. I, I agree with Gary Cole that this is something that pretty much everyone's doing. Um, you know, even if we look back to the Showalter era, Showalter, in essence, never had a big issue with it because his pitchers were doing the same thing. Um, You're telling me he didn't nose whistle it? I'm, 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 uh, he, he may have no, nose whistled it. But, but ultimately, I mean, I, I think we can look at, you know, various pitchers within um, Major League Baseball, and I think we can even look within our own organization and know that, you know, this is happening. And, then, you know, the question is, does it destroy the sanctity of the game um, or is it just really that big of a deal? So by the rules, you're absolutely right. From a, by, by applying a foreign substance, it is illegal to do so. But is it really that big of a deal? That's my question. No, I, 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 think, I think it's a good question. And I, I think that where baseball is going to land is that they're going to say, guys, guys, if everybody's going to be doing this, can we just not be so obvious about it? Like, can you not have a big thing of pine tar on your neck on yeah. national television? God, if you're going to do this, can you use a black glove instead of a red one? Come yeah. on, guys. I feel like this has come up so often. I mean, I think back to the Bullfrog instance where they were basically spraying suntan on that it was helping them from an adhesive standpoint. So, I mean, no matter what happens, you know, if Major League Baseball comes back and says, we're banning spider tack, some other substance is going right. to be available. So, um, yeah, I agree with you, Jacob. I don't think this is something that you can, in essence, just go back and just basically say, like, well, we're going to ban spider tech because that's an issue. No, like some other substance will be called, it'll be called, you know, you know, m- moose mucus or something like that. Or could something. you not? Could you not call it moose, moose mucus? Can, listen, can we not? Listen, um, yeah. Listeners, I apologize that you just heard m- moose mucus three times. Uh, listen, if, you, if it needs to be called moose mucus to get it approved by Major League Baseball, I'm okay with that, okay? But you're absolutely right, Jake. Um, this is kind of those unwritten aspects that it's always going to happen in Major League Baseball. Um, I'm I'm not going to get bent over shape about it. This is also one of those things where the part of me that that wants the game because we we know it so well, because we can articulate it so well, because we can understand it so well with our analysis. Yeah, um, and and now in this generation, we're applying numbers to that as well, right? All of that up against the fact that the use of foreign substances is part of the gamesmanship of baseball, Mm -hmm. right? It's part of the arms race, so to speak, in the pitcher versus the hitter. It's part of the story of baseball. It's it's ingrained in the lore of baseball. And, And I almost wonder if, you know, something greater is lost there, if... If uh, you know foreign substances are, are somehow removed from the game, no, I don't know. It, it's it's something that that I, I I'm surprised that baseball is is finally saying okay, we'll do something about it. Um, but there are, there are two ways in which they're they're going to respond. The first is that they're going to um, encourage and empower umpires to uh, check uh, pitchers, particularly gloves, caps, and uniforms for signs of illegal substances on a pitcher. And, um, you know, they, they would then from that point, um, you know, probably check the pitcher just when they enter the game, remove any questionable piece of the uniform uniform or or equipment, 
um, and provide a, a warning uh, to the team and, and in a really egregious case, you know, that may end up in an ejection. Uh, but I think that the other way that they're handling this is that they're putting greater responsibility on the teams to enforce rules against doctoring the ball. And basically, I think they're putting the teams on blast to say, hey, you need to be more subtle about this so that this issue goes away for us from a public standpoint. We don't want to deal with this. You don't want us dealing with this. So make it so that we don't have to. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's tough, though, because, like, um, a part of it, though, is, like, too, like, everyone has phones, everyone's looking at bullpens, everyone's doing this and that, and everyone's trying to basically catch somebody. Uh, and this is where I kind of come back to, at what point do we just be like, it's not that big of a deal, it doesn't harm the game? Well, I mean, I I think, you know, and I referenced Michael Pineda earlier, but I think that's a, a case in which you're like, guys too far yeah out of the box figured out yeah versus everybody else that's doing this you're like all right yeah. move on it's yeah. part of the game yeah so if you're blatantly doing it then right. it's a okay well we have to have a conversation with you on the mound and saying hey you need to stop that um if it is just preparatory work then it, it's not that big of a deal here's what i love about this conversation happening this year doesn't matter no the orioles are not going to not make the playoffs because of uh, a pitcher being ejected for foreign substance. The Warriors are not going to lose any games that they were going to win because of this issue. Yeah, baseball figured out this year. That's fine. That's fine. All right, let's wander into second base, shall we? Sure. Uh, so um, June's been going better. Uh, we uh, talked about Orioles baseball last week, and um, yeah, it was misery and woe. Um, and we basically said, not a good baseball team. And in classic fashion, the Baltimore Orioles decided to be decent after we said they were bad. Um, so, you know, after winning only five games in May, the Orioles have won pretty much that many already five games in June. Um, yeah, I mean, even taking a series win against the Cleveland Indians. Um, so, I mean, I, I think this comes back to the one point that we made last week, which was, you know, the Orioles were, you know, maybe not playing as bad as they, the record was indicating their BABIP numbers were atrocious. Their runners are in scoring position numbers were horrible, um, eventually it was going to balance out. Um, and I think we're starting to see that. I certainly don't think the Orioles are a 500 team at this given moment, but I also don't think that they were as bad as they were in May. They're regression. They're regressing to the shoulder injury. Yes, exactly. Uh, it is the basis of, you know, they played really ugly and now they're like, Hey, if I had a few beers, it might not be that bad. So this month they, you know, they've already played the twins. They've played the Indians. Uh, they're playing the Mets tonight. They've got a series against the Rays. They've got another four-game series against the Indians. Uh, they play the Blue Jays twice, home and away, and they play the Astros twice, home and away. Yeah, and I think the bigger question for June, again, is going to come back to that John Means topic is, you know, in, in June, it, it's a possibility that you're going to be without John Means for the entire month, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Orioles manage their depth without pulling from their top prospects. The other thing that I'm interested to see is that from here on out, again, today is June 8th, the Orioles have one off day in June, and that's the 10th, which is this this Thursday. From there, there's a slog uh, between the 11th um, before their next off day. They're going to have to play a lot of games consecutively, I, I'm I'm curious as to how that'll work out for him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think the Orioles are going to have to get really creative um, in their approach. And again, you mentioned it earlier with a, a do, an opener, uh, and I think the Orioles are going to have to get creative and go to several bullpen games 
in order to get through for this next slug. Um, I think that's going to be the trickiest part for them getting to the all-star break is just getting through this massive um, selection of the schedule, um, especially with two real five picks. And again, they just activated, you know, uh, one of their real five roller. So again, they are losing a little bit of that flexibility once again. So it's, that I think is going to be the real story of June is what does the roster look like and how do the Orioles manage it? Yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting. And while the club was winning and trying to win, I think that that was a real strength of the Duquette era was their ability to manage the 40 man roster. It'll be interesting to see what managing the 40 man roster while you're in the rebuild versus managing the 40 man roster when you're trying to win will look like now we have to kind of analyze the ability of mike elias to protect the roster so to speak while he's still amassing the winning club which will be different than how we evaluate him once he's working through those machinations while we're trying to win it'll be interesting yeah i i agree so um yeah like i said in all the storylines for june just keep an eye on that. And let's see what the Orioles do to maximize their 40-man roster. Um, I think the Orioles are going to have to make some tough decisions upcoming. I, I think that's going to be – I think there's a few few players that are nestled on the 40-man roster that may not make it much longer. Like no Mike Wright. Like no Mike Wright. Uh, all right, going to third base, let's talk good news again. Um, there's been several uh, amazing offensive performances. So we've got to start with AL Player of the Week, Ryan Mountcastle. Um, you know, over the past, we'll call it, you know, two to three weeks, he's been absolutely in fuego, but, you know, just look at his numbers from this week, um, 458 average 480 on base percentage, uh, 327 weighted runs created plus, um, and, and four home runs in that stretch too. So, I mean, he was absolutely on fire, um, this past week and, you know, deserve those accolades as it relates to, um, being, being named uh, player of the week. I mean, pulling up his monthly numbers, you know, over the month, 313 average, 341 on base percentage, 166 weighted runs created plus. And that's over the past 30 days. So, you know, we talked about at the very beginning of the season, um, April was not kind to Ryan Mountcastle, sure. not, not whatsoever. Um, but over the past 30 days, and even with a abysmal May for the Baltimore Orioles, Ryan Mountcastle has put up some really impressive offense numbers, the kind of offense numbers that the Orioles thought he might be able to put up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, does that stabilize out and was the sophomore slump just to begin the season? Uh, and are we going to see a typical 120 to 140 rated plus from Ryan Mountcastle? Um, and does that serve as a future for him going forward? This is going to sound dumb, but I'm actually kind of really looking forward to the next dip and recovery, Mm -hmm. right? Because he started out the season, it was rough. Here he is. Now he's on fire. I, I think from a development standpoint, what will really be good to to gird his loins, so to speak. It boy, moose mucus and gird his loins. We are just yep. Mm, we're making we're making dif- a difference today. Um, I, I think the next time he struggles and is able to overcome it, will really boost his confidence. Of oh, this is just a thing that happens, right? right. Happens all the time. Got to adapt, got to adapt, got to adapt. I'm going to have a week where everything sucks. They're going to know everything I'm trying to do. And I'm just going to have to work with, you know, the, the hitting coach and, and try to work my way out of it. And, and now that I know that I can, you know, on the regs, 
that that is a, a player development thing. I, I I think seeing him get through the next you know peaks and valleys uh, or or I hope valleys and peaks. I think will will make him a more complete ball player. But yeah, this this past uh, week since the last time we uh, recorded, he was just been. On fire. On yeah. fire. No, no walks because he basically didn't have the opportunity to do it. Yeah, like I said, he just put balls into play all, all the time. Um, and again, it, it's great that Ryan Mountcastle won AL Player of the Week. But let's not overlook Cedric Mullins, who was absolutely in fuego this weekend. Um, you know, just absolutely crushed the ball. I mean, over the week, too, he had a great, um, you know, weekly number two. You know, over this given week, 352 weighted runs created plus uh 542 average 607 on base percentage i mean just ridiculous numbers um you know 14.3 walk rate zero percent k rate um it just it's just i I don't even know what to say like that's just those are silly numbers is the best way to put it (laughs) i I love seeing the tweet from the cleveland indians saying we've seen quite enough of cedric mullins this weekend yeah and i mean coming back to that same conversation that we had about cedric mullins i mean about ryan mountcastle over the past 30 days you know, we had talked about Cedric Mullins cooling off, but again, over 30 days, Cedric Mullins, 330 average, 404 on base percentage, 167 weighted runs created plus. You know, I think on the season when I pulled up Cedric Mullins' stats right now, Cedric Mullins is currently sitting at a 2.8 F war. Uh, I know Matt Kremnitzer posted out on Twitter that in Adam Jones' best season, he had a 4.9 F war. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to, in essence, hit that. Um, you know, right now per zips projections, he would hit that 4.9, uh, F war. Um, so it's intriguing is the best way to describe it. Something has changed with Cedric Mullins. Um, and again, you can take a look just in terms of his plate discipline and approach. I mean, you look at his, his season long numbers now, um, and this is over 255 plate appearances, which again, my basis is normally you've got to be around 150 to 200 plate appearances before I can start to say there's some t- statistical, you know, sampling here. Um, and he's got, you know, a higher walk rate. You know, historically, he's been around, you know, 5%. He's up to 9.8%. Uh, his K rate has typically been around, we'll call it 20 to 24. He did 17% this year. His on-base percentage obviously skyrocketed from, you know, 320 to 330 to 390 this year. His defense is right there where it needs to be. So, yeah, I mean, Cedric Mullins has taken a significant step word, step upward of being a, you know, an average offensive player. We'll call it 80 to 100 radio runs credit plus on, on the average to now being in this ballpark of 110 to 160. So he is now approaching all-star levels as it relates to all of these given metrics. And the other thing that's nice about Cedric Mullins performing at this level is that it gives you something to watch. Mm -hmm. And I say that because, you know, clearly this team is not going anywhere. Uh, But Cedric Mullins just had a stretch where he reached base consecutively for, I think it was nine or 10 times in a row. And you and I talked about this earlier uh, in the season that one of the things in a terrible season when you have to generate your own fun is watching those little streaks of, of weird stats. Um, And Cedric Mullins is reaching the point where he can provide that. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, in the field and particularly at the plate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the other thing that, that I want to point out is that, you know, a lot of the other uh, offensive players uh, were cooled off this past week. But let's not forget the fact that, you know, over the course of the season, 
We've seen really good things from Freddie Galvis mm-hmm. at times. You know, over the course of the season, I expect that we'll see, you know, great weeks, great uh, stretches from Anthony Santander. Um, and, you know, every game has a different star type of deal, right? So yeah. we have the, the possibility of having interesting things to watch on the regs. This week, it just happened to be those guys. Yeah, and, you know, let's not overlook, obviously, the obvious story, which is Trey Mancini is still playing up a great mm-hmm. season. You know, I mentioned all those guys' numbers. You know, right there with him, Trey Mancini at 165 weighted runs created plus over a 30-day stretch for two on base percentage. So you've got three players there uh, over the past 30 days that are posting 160 weighted runs created plus. That is pretty abnormal for a team of this kind of quality. Um, and like I said, there, there's still obviously a, a mountain of room for improvement, but if you're thinking about the future... A Mount Castle of improvement. Yes. If you're thinking about the future and you're looking at Cedric Mullins, who is only 26 years old, you're looking at Trey Mancini, um, you're looking at Mount Castle, who obviously is extremely young, um, there's a lot to get excited over, like I said, for 2022 and 2023, um, where you can start to put together the pieces, as it were, and saying, okay, we're getting closer to being to that point of knowing how all the numbers are going to add up to potentially being a playoff team. Not a guaranteed, sure. but a potential for a playoff team. Absolutely. All right, let's let's wander our way into home plate at this point. And at home plate, I want to talk about, let's update where we think we are from an all-star standpoint. Sure. We've, we've talked three names all season. They're pretty obvious at this point. John Means, Trey Mancini, and I, I'm going to include Cedric Mullins because I think he's played into that conversation. One of the things we didn't talk about when uh, we talked about John Means' injury, uh, if it lingers too terribly long, you know, is there a chance that the team won't want John Means to participate in the All-Star game? I think that's definitely a possibility um, where the, the team may say, thanks, but no thanks, or uh, thanks, you can select him, but he won't play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a possibility that the, the team may prefer for him not to participate. I mean, if we're looking at the numbers right now from from a from an F WAR basis, I mean, Cedric Mullins, like I said before, is currently at a two point eight F WAR for the team. Um, that's pretty good. Trey Mancini again is at a one point two, but he is leading a lot more traditional metrics out there uh, that you know some people might you know have a prevalence too. Um, and then John Means is at 1.3. So, like, Cedric Mullins is blowing out of the water Trey Mancini and John Means. I mean, even combining both of their numbers together from an F4 basis, Cedric Mullins beats both John Means and Trey Mancini combined together, which is kind of hard for me to fathom. But, again, if you look over the entire season, Cedric Mullins is a better offensive performance over Cedric Mullins uh, or over Trey Mancini. Um, and then John Means obviously being hurt hurts his stock a little bit, too. So... You know, we were ready to write off Cedric Mullins before as it relates to being an all-star pick um, when he had that kind of slump. But based off of, you know, some of his more recent numbers, I I don't see how um, you don't select him for an all-star game going forward. So you're the manager of the AL all-star team. You've got to make as many people happy as possible. There clearly won't be any Orioles voted in. What do you think happens? <sighs> um, so, again, if it's me, 
Uh, oh, it is you. If I'm the manager, I'm selecting Trey Mancini, and I'm asking Trey Mancini to go to the home run derby. Hmm. Okay. All right. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. But, like, right now, out of all outfielders in Major League Baseball, Cedric Mullins ranks number three right now in F4 in the entire league. He is number one in the American League right now in terms of F4. I mean, is there any way that you cannot select him if he's just blowing the the sport out of the water? Again, I think it's 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 interesting because we've talked about this before for Cedric Mullins. He does get a little bit of a boost with his defensive metrics compared to some other outfielders. Mm-hmm. So I could see someone wanting to take a priority over to other individuals like an Aaron Judge, for example, in right field. Um, you know, Oakland is going to have to have someone out at the All-Star game. So, um, you know, is it going to be Marcana um, and, and putting him out there? Um, is Austin Meadows going to need to be selected? I mean, there's a bunch of folks that are going to need to fill out that outfield. And I feel like the outfield is always such a tough position to fill out. Whereas if I look at first base, I mean, there's some decent first basemen like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But, I mean, I just think Trey Mancini is going to... Um, you know, get the call as it were to basically take on that role um, and, and get this, get this, not the start, but, you know, get a selection onto the all-star game. And you think the Orioles just won selection? I mean, honestly, Cedric Mullins should get a selection. Like he should be a bench spot. There's no question about it. Um, But, but knowing how the all-star game works, I think Cedric Mullins gets looked over. I would love to be wrong. But I don't think I'm going to be. Well, you know, here's hoping that he plays himself into the the position where he cannot be ignored. That would be nice. But I think we're going to be disappointed and angry. And there's going to be a lot of rabble-rousing. As Orioles fans? I know. Imagine that. On this podcast? Um, rabble-rousing, Scott? Really? Yeah. We're not the Hamburger, Scott. I'll do my hamburger another day. All right. So that is... Orioles baseball around the bases. We've we've covered it all, haven't we? I think so. All right. Well, in that case, let's take a quick break. Let's see who won fantasy boss, and we'll um, you know we'll pick a new ridiculous stat. All right. Well, based on that music, um, somehow I um, I managed to win this week. Um, so the category was extra base hits. Um, allegedly, allegedly, I went with Anthony Santander. That's he, a good pick. It's a great pick. He had a, a great offensive week with. One second. There's a smudge on my computer. One extra base hit. I mean, you you won with a single base extra base hit. Yeah, it looks like Freddie Galvis had zero. 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 He's a major league baseball player. Uh, he just didn't hit this week at all. No, but if we look at um, some of the other ones, uh, like Cedric Mullins or Ryan Mountcastle, uh, they had nine extra base hits. Nine, nine, nine times, nine times. And Freddie Galvis had zero. I actually think they had more, but I just wanted to make the joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that brings the contest to four to three. 
Uh, Jake is still in the lead. It's getting a little tight. I'm becoming uncomfortable. Getting getting a little uncomfortable. The so, seat is a little warm here. Uh, so we're going to go with a, a classic. Um, we're going to go with the classic category this week. We're going to go with ribbies this week, Jake. Look at you on the back of the baseball card. Back of the bass baseball card. So, Jake, who do you think is going to have the most ribbies this week? Oh, I don't even know, Scott. I'm looking at this team, and I'm thinking to myself, who is who? 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 I, and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, you don't want to go too long with the hot hand. Absolutely. Right? And you don't want to go with the dark horse. Yep. Uh, but I'll tell you what. So you're going Stevie Wilkerson. <laughs> no, it's not a pitching category. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go what I believe to be chalk. Uh, Trey Mancini had the 10th highest wid runs creative plus this past week. Of course, that was 53. He had himself quite an off week. I'm going to say he gets back off the schneid. He is going to, to reclaim, uh, that role as, as leading the league in, in ribbies. Okay. Maybe not. He's going to drive in a lot of runs. I'm going to go with Trey Mancini. That was going to be my pick as well. I think that Trey is going to, um, do really well this week from our, our RBI standpoint. It is intriguing to me that somebody else is starting to move into the cleanup spot as of recently. So I'm going to go with the individual who was AL Player of the Week last week. I'm going to go with Ryan Mountcastle. Strictly on the basis of I do believe he's going to cool off this week. But just based off of where he is in the lineup, I he's my next best choice, I think. And also, he's got a lot of room to cool off and still be a good player. Yeah. But again, Trey Mancini would have been my number one pick as well um, if I were picking for this category. So... We'll see who has more ribbies this week. Trey Mancini versus Ryan Malcosel. Who will own it? Um, and with that, let's go ahead and figure out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this past week in Orioles baseball. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Uh, Scotty, my good this week is going to go to DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart had himself a pretty good week. Now, the lead league, or league, the uh, team lead for plate appearances was 24. DJ Stewart had 19. So he played himself quite a few uh, at-bats. He did pretty well. A 237 weighted runs creative plus. Here's what I liked. He had a 15.8 K percentage, but also a 15.8 uh, walk percentage. Now, the BABIP was pretty high. It was 500. So the Luck Dragon was with him, but the Luck Dragon was with him. He had a 516 Woba and quite a week. DJ Stewart, who I like to make fun of, was good this week. Yeah, DJ Stewart was good. And like I said, we, we didn't talk about him very much mm-hmm. um, in the podcast, but he definitely deserves uh, a, a slight accolade. Again, Good choice, Jake. Not the right choice. Uh, as, as per usual. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, we've got to talk about, you know, the good for the week. And again, I'm not going to go with AL Player of the Week. I'm actually going to go with Cedric Mullins going eight for nine in two games, five for five on that Saturday game, two home runs, 11 total bases. Sunday's game, three for four, one home run, seven total bases. Um, yeah, I mean, he basically had a, a, a game... You know, a two-game stretch that was, you know, equal to Brooks and Cal. Um, you don't get in, in, in better company than that. 
Um, Cedric Mullins is having a heck of a year, um, a heck of a resurgence. Um, it is a story that people are not talking about in Major League Baseball, and that's a shame. Cedric Mullins is my good for the week. He had a 394 weighted runs created plus yeah. between the first and the seventh of the month. I don't even know how to say that. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. He's four times better yeah. than the average hitter. Yeah, I just, it's just, it's just ridiculous numbers at this point. <laughs> and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. All right, my bad this week. I hate to do it, but my bad this week is going to go to Trey Boom Boom Mancini. Just had an off week. No biggie. Almost 30% K percentage. Uh, and he did all of this. I mentioned the 53 way to runs created plus but before. He did all this was a 333 BABIP, right? So he was not unlucky. He just wasn't good. I'm betting big on him to get better next week, but this week he was not so good. He was bad. Yeah, my bad for the week is going to go to Adam Plutko. Um, you know, started off the season really well. Um, and then, you know, over the past few weeks has been kind of not doing so great. You know, in this past week, um, you know, he came in, he pitched 6.64 FIP. Um, just not having the control and the command that he had earlier in the season. So um, he was going up against his previous team as well. Um, so I don't know if that matters. Um, but yeah, just just not very good um, over this past past period. So um, he gets my bad for the week. My ugly for this week is going to go to us as Orioles fans, as members of Birdland. Look, I I came back from coaching a Little League baseball game at one night this week. And so I was already accustomed to weird, dumb baseball. And I walked into Twitter a buzz about whether or not we need to be mad at Mike Elias. And I just don't, I just don't get that. I just don't get it. Any fan who has watched this happen should know where we are. And any fan who understands what a Grayson Rodriguez and a Adley Rutschman represent should realize that spending a butt ton of money for us to win 75 games instead of 55 is just pointless. Where we are right now, whether or not you love it, was the plan, and they're executing upon it. And by all accounts, not just the bill of goods that were being sold by the team, but by all accounts, the minor league system is phenomenal right now. Major publications are not just talking about our top flight prospects. They're talking about the entire system. Let Michael Elias do what he's supposed to do. And don't whine. Yeah, it sucks losing. It sucks losing 14 games in a row. Believe me, we have to talk about it at least once a week. But don't go crazy on the internet over Michael Elias. Birdland, if you fall into that, you, my friends, are ugly. Yeah, Jake, I don't know if I'm going to be able to top that this week, but I think my ugly is going to go to that feeling that we had on Saturday with the John Means injury. It Again, it's not it's not devastating, but it's certainly a gut punch. Uh, and it's like you said, overall, there is so many positives right now as it relates to, honestly, the world we live in. Um, you know, it's just the basis of like, there's a lot of really good things happening in, you know, Delmarva, Aberdeen, uh, Bowie, Norfolk. We'll, we'll put an asterisk next to Norfolk. But again, 
that is what it is. Um, you know, people are starting to get back into the world. There's normalization occurring. People are planning vacations. But just there's been so many snake bites before for the Baltimore Orioles that you see something like that happen in John Means and you're just like, why did it have to happen to him? Um, and in honesty, it, it happens to every single team where a player gets hurt. I mean, I think to like Fernando Tatis getting hurt earlier this year for the Padres. Oof. And, and again, you know, the Padres were able to manage to hang in there and come back um, and, and still be, you know, satisfactory. Um, but it's still upsetting. It's still disappointing. Um, but ultimately, like we've said throughout this podcast, it ultimately doesn't matter in the now. It's about getting ready for the future. It's just nice, like you said, to watch really consistent and dominating performances like John Means has put out there for the entire season. And would have nice been able to see another two or three starts before the All-Star break. And I think we're going to get robbed of a little bit of really dominant baseball. And that's my ugly. You know, it feels sometimes like we've just got the one nice thing. Let us have this. Right. Yeah, that feeling sucks. No, I, I, I feel you. Yeah, I feel you. Um, all right. I think that's it for good, good, bad, and the ugly. So, uh, Jake, why don't you go ahead and blow the save this week? All right. I, uh, going to go ahead and blow the save. I'm going to warn you, this is going to be about my kid. In fact, I had two stories. About my kid. I'm going to tell them both. Yeah. I, you I, know what? It's bird's eye view. There are no rules yeah. here. Uh, Saturday, Henry and I went out to the Orioles game. Uh, had a phenomenal time. It was hot. We sweat a lot. Um, but we uh, we shook things up a little bit. You know, our usual seats are upstairs. Uh, and we found, a, <laughs> we found a seat downstairs that we could trade right into, right? So it's the same, same dollar value. It's over in right field. It's actually a really nice spot and it was under the overhang uh to the point where we could see uh fly balls and we wouldn't roast and the box office had no issues with this box office was great by the way baltimore orioles uh you you did a great job with that on saturday however henry and i arrived a smidgen late not a lot late a smidgen we were late because we were eating our lunch in the parking lot because you can't take the food in the ballpark (laughs) anyway we're walking in just a smidgen late top of the first I'm walking up the uh, up the stairs, facing away from the field. There's a foul ball that gets hit, and I turn around, and I can tell by the reaction of the crowd that we're in the general vicinity yeah. of where this ball is going to be. But you know, I missed I missed it off the bat, so I, I can't find it. Turn around, I'm scanning for it. Found it way too late in the air, and it damn near hit me. Yeah. <laughs> It bounced off the the flight of stairs I was walking up into a chair directly to my right, snagged it, handed it to my kid. Literally within 45 seconds of being off the concourse into the stadium, uh, my kid had a foul ball. It was a great day Yeah, from there on out. Uh, baseball is wonderful. I, I keep whining about uh, having to rush home from coaching Little League, uh, coaching my kid's Little League team. They're doing a marvelous job, by the way, of overcoming some really crummy uh, coaching. Yes. Henry uh, has not been one of the better kids in the league. He's been working really hard. Got to participate in an all-star game this past week. Yesterday, in fact, 
proud dad moment. All I'll say is that baseball provides the opportunity very often for great conversation with kids, for bonding moments, and for moments of intense family pride. So baseball, and especially Orioles baseball this weekend, thanks. Yeah. It was a good time. You absolutely should be proud of it. Like I said, I was able to come out to the game last night, um, watch uh, you know your son play, um, watch him have to deal with the coach that he has on the team um, at that given time. And while I was watching him out there in the field play, I just kept thinking, thinking to myself, this is great that he's in an all-star game. It's like I'm watching a young Ty Wington out there playing at this given moment. Here's here's what made me the most proud, Scott. Because there's there's only so much that I can hand down as a, as the parent that I am. You remember that I was not perhaps the most gifted of athletes. My absolutely my calling was was more in the arts, and so as a as a theater right. uh, participant, a lettered theater participant, I was delighted to see Henry applying the eye black to his to his teammates, and it, it made me think well. At did, he, least, did he play the cure while he was doing it? At least my ability to apply makeup there you go. Uh, was transferred down in a, in a usable skill set. Absolutely. Like I said, no one got burns underneath their eyes, so we're in good shape. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Birds of View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Scrubs the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Did you know, Scott, that Bird's Eye View is the number one baseball podcast in the country of Qatar? I did not know that. <laughs> that is a true fact. Okay. I couldn't make that up if I tried. And that happens all with your support. Uh, thank the, you. The listeners. one person. <laughs> Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. If you're in Cutter, please email. I need to know who you are. Uh, you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We're on Snapchat. Uh, we're everywhere. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go hoes. I thought the Orioles banned the cutter. (laughs) (laughs) You win this one. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.